Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This is Dr. J. Buzz von Ornsteiner, forensic psychologist from Copycat Killers, Real Channel's true crime program about real murders inspired by movies. Be sure to subscribe to our series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Then go to Reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, to find true crime TV series like this one on Reels Channel. This program contains graphic violence and sexual situations. Viewer discretion is advised. Heathers, a pitch black comedy about high school's social hierarchies, pretty popular girls, and backstabbing best friends. Heathers is the fight club of high school movies. The tagline was best friends, social trends, and occasional murder. Like the film, teenagers Skylar Niece, Sheila Eddy, and Rachel Schoaf seem to reign like a modern-day clique of Heathers. I think they thought they were prettier than most girls there, honestly. They were trying to be the queen bees. And their real-life crime will prove that friends murdering friends doesn't just happen in the movies. This was a horrific murder, and in the end, she said she did it because she just didn't want to be her friend anymore. Nineteen eighty-nine, Heather's hits audiences between the eyes with its black humor, attractive cast, and offbeat mix of comedy and violent social commentary. Jeff Edgar's Washington Post. The Heather's rule with bitchy iron fists. And they oppress anybody different. Geeks, the overweight, outsiders of any stripe. The movie's 25 years old, but unfortunately, not much has changed. And when the characters Veronica and J.D., played by Winona Ryder and Christian Slater, question the Heather's social pecking order, the results are deadly. Despite its dark comedy, Heather's central themes, they hold up today. It exposes how dangerous it can be when popularity is more important than morals and human decency. And in this film, there's a body count to prove it. But before Veronica begins killing her narcissistic classmates, she's just a girl wanting to belong. The same is true for real-life best friends Sheila Eddy and Skylar Niece. Sheila and Skylar met when they were eight years old, and they took to each other right away. The two girls were very close as they grew up. They spent every single day after school together, every single weekend together. They went to beaches together, spring breaks together. The two girls' opposite personalities seemed to complement each other perfectly. <laughs> You're the worst selfie taker. Oh. Yes, you are. <laughs> what? <laughs> Delene Barry, author, Pretty Little Killers. Skylar was a bright, ambitious girl, very smart. The type of girl who made friends instantly. She was bubbly and outgoing, very friendly, but she was not as wild as Sheila was. Daniel Hoveter, friend of Skylar, Sheila, and Rachel. Sheila was more of a risk taker than Skylar. She would be the one driving really fast or sneaking into the R-rated movies even though we weren't supposed to watch them and stuff. She was more 
prone to do crazy things. By the time they enter freshman year at University High School in Morgantown, West Virginia, they seem poised to rule the school. Shayla and Skylar were very popular, but in different ways. Skylar was a very down-to-earth, basic kind of girl next door whom everybody loved, and Sheila was popular with the boys. She loved to party in high school, and she wanted to always look the part. She had to have hair, makeup, the right clothes, the right outfit, and that was much different from Skylar. Sheila Eddie reminds me of Heather's, where the alpha Heather says, they all want me, either as a friend or a f- I'm worshipped at Westerberg, and I'm only a junior. Oh, my God, come on, where'd you go? What? I go. What are you talking come about? On. No. Yeah. Come on, it'll be fun. Are you kidding me? Wanting to be just like her friend, Skylar is often playing catch-up with Sheila. I do remember, like, Sheila would take the next step, and Skylar would try to follow in her steps. Can I? Yeah. Okay. You could tell that she was being more rebellious because of Sheila. (laughs) They were doing the teenage things behind their parents' backs, smoking, drinking, experimenting with weed, joyriding. You get me in so much trouble. (laughs) Just take it. But early in their freshman year, this twosome evolves into a trio when Skylar and Sheila meet a new classmate, Rachel Schoff. Did you guys miss me? Oh, hey! Welcome to the party! <laughs> it's a video. Oh. <laughs> Weirdos. <laughs> the arrival of Heather number three. Like Skylar and Sheila, Rachel Schoff is pretty and popular. Rachel was a beautiful, red-headed Broadway fanatic who did theater and sang and was in all types of shows and musicals. I loved Rachel. We had a lot in common. You guys have to listen. And I need to learn my lines. And that's why I kept you around. A seemingly perfect addition to the clique. Where shall we three meet again? Once they started hanging out and getting to know each other more, they were inseparable. You couldn't get them apart from each other. They would hang out after school, during school, before school, talking on three-way calls all the time, every night. Just, it was crazy. When the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won, by the pricking of my thumbs, something (laughs) wicked this way comes. For the first half hour of Heathers, that trio of girls moves in lockstep. Visually, they're like the three witches in Macbeth. These girls are no different, and like Veronica's iconic diary in the movie Heathers, Sheila, Skylar, and Rachel document their friendship and innermost thoughts on social media. Almost every night when you'd get home from school, you'd see them tweeting at each other or Facebooking each other, always tagging each other and stuff. Sheila's whole life was pretty much documented on Twitter. And Skylar's was more like a rant page. Like, if she got mad about something, she would, like, rant about it on Twitter. Their social media accounts give outsiders a glimpse into their world. 
but it doesn't give the whole picture. The three girls really were thick as thieves. They had secrets that no one else knew, and they were very, very recognizable at UHS by other students. Shania Ammons, friend of Skylar and Sheila. They were trying to be the queen bees. I think they thought they were prettier than most girls there, honestly. So they wanted everybody to like look at them and not pay attention to everybody else. As Veronica writes in her diary, it's like we were working together. Our job was to be all popular and sh- Like their film counterparts need to be popular, these real-life friends take it very seriously as well, sometimes even getting catty amongst themselves. <laughs> hey, did you guys hear what happened with Christina? What? What? She hooked up with this really ugly guy from some other school. <laughs> oh, the guy no. with the teeth? Yes. I know who you mean. Remember him? <laughs> yeah. Man. Ooh. What were they wearing? That was a bad choice. They <laughs> need help. Yes. Mm, not from you. What? Of the three girls, Sheila seemed to believe she was the natural leader. The queen bee, the alpha Heather. Sheila worked really hard to make sure that people noticed her. She wanted to be seen as important. She wanted to be seen as the leader of the trio. And she has something the other two girls don't. Sheila held the alpha role for the trio because she had the car. And the car defined what they did. Sheila's means of having transportation gave her the control over the group leaving Rachel and Skylar scrambling hey. to be next in line. So I'm going to set up front. Oh, my God. Why? I just always set up front. Guys, I got here first. If it doesn't matter, then just get in the back. You're being so stupid. Are you kidding me? No. Russell Williams, professor of film studies, American University. Throughout Heather's, Veronica is constantly shifting in the pecking order. In the beginning, she's easily influenced, and she gets caught in situations that she finds very cruel. The same is true for Rachel and Skylar. It seemed that Skylar and Rachel were vying for Sheila's attention. Sheila Eddy was the top of the best friend triangle because she had two girls who both wanted to be her best friend. Sheila did pit the two of them against each other, Skylar and Rachel. Sheila was very manipulative. If it wasn't her way, it was the highway. It's this power struggle that will turn these three BFFs into brutal murderers. Nobody knew how toxic the trio was until it was too late. But who dies? And why? (laughs) Heathers. The satirical cult classic that introduces audiences to the darker side of high school. A minefield of spiky social dynamics, catty cliques, and the meanest of mean girls. During adolescence, everything feels like the stakes are life or death, and Heathers makes that literal. The film's characters perfectly embody the term frenemies, and then take it to the extreme. After Winona Ryder's character poisons the first Heather, she says... I think I just killed my best friend. And your worst enemy, J.D., reminds her. She thinks for a second, then says, same difference. In 2011, a scenario like the movie Heathers begins to unfold between three best friends. 
Sheila Eddy, Skylar Niece, and Rachel Schof. Skylar didn't mind that Rachel joined her and Sheila's duo. She was welcoming at first. Even in happy times, the girl's darker side is bubbling just below the surface. <laughs> Wait, guys, let's play Would You Rather. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, would you rather suffocate or get shot? Get shot. Shot. Wait, as in, it depends on where. In the head. Shot. shot. There'd be, like, no suffering at all. The three girls were playing a game of which way would you rather die? Suffocating or drowning? Suffocate. Suffocate. It's almost the same thing, though. Yeah, I know, but it's not. And it was very disturbing because ultimately it was like it was a foregleam of what was going to happen. This twisted Q&A is similar to the Heather's what-would-you-do type questions they would ask of their classmates. It also reminds me of the lunchtime poll questions Heather Chandler conducts in Heather's. Maybe they're innocuous, or maybe they're designed to rattle these kids to think about their moral scruples. Either way, it's just more head games. It's this type of head game that is about to cause a crack in the real-life Heather's click. Skylar, Sheila, and Rachel were rarely apart. But just like in the movie, that dynamic ultimately could not survive. As the saying goes, two's company and three's a crowd. Rachel and Sheila were making plans to do things behind Skylar's back. Are you kidding me? You guys went out together and didn't even tell me about we it? thought you were busy. Okay. What the heck? You know, why don't you just go to the movie without me too, okay? Sheila was growing closer to Rachel and drawing away from Skylar. I'm so sick. Can you just pull over the car? Seriously, yeah, stop the car. Oh God, fine. Here, get out of the car. You're lost. Bye. Have a nice walk. Skylar actually told me one night that she felt left out of the group. She felt like a third wheel all the time. It was Skylar's best friend at first. Like, she felt very left out. That third wheel status will become even more apparent on August 16th, 2011, when Rachel invites both Sheila and Skylar to spend the night at her house. That night at the slumber party, their lives were changed forever. They didn't really even seem to know it. They began drinking after her mom went to bed. They continued drinking to the point where all three of them were pretty smashed. And then something unexpected happens. Sheila and Rachel began making out sexually. Skylar's diary indicated they did everything that two girls could do to one another. Wait, Skylar. Skylar, you can't go. My parents will hear you. You have to stay. She felt like she was trapped in Rachel's bedroom because if she had left the room... She took a chance on waking Rachel's mother up, and then the mother would have found out what was going on. 
Skylar has no choice but to stay and watch. <laughs> it seems likely that Sheila would have initiated the sex that night, and she probably did so in large part because she was wanting to send Skylar a message. The message that Skylar was no longer her significant best friend, that she was taking second place to Rachel. If Skylar is feeling betrayed by the events in that room, she's got the electronic tools to hurt the girl's back. In 1988, the Heathers could only spread rumors so fast, using private diaries, pass notes, and rigged surveys in the school paper. And yet, word still got out. I tell the whole school all the I have on everyone, which is a lot. Sheila and Rachel may be trying to push Skylar out of their inner circle. But she isn't about to go down without a fight. On three. Don't trust anybody, even if they claim to be your best friend. It could be a whole different person under the mask they're showing you. Just outside of Morgantown, West Virginia, in the suburb of Star City, Sheila Eddy, Rachel Schof, and Skylar Niece are the closest of friends. But after witnessing a sexual encounter between Sheila and Rachel, 16-year-old Skylar Niece is feeling pushed out of the friendship circle. Skylar was upset about what she saw. She did realize it signaled the end of this deep, close friendship, this bond she'd had with Sheila since she was eight years old. Except Skylar isn't leaving quietly. I tell the whole school i have on everyone which is a lot who does she think she is what? read that oh my god god i hate her seriously how were you guys friends before i came along i can't stand her For these two Heathers, outing them could be disastrous. Rachel and Sheila saw Skylar's tweet about telling the school what she knew as a threat. She won't stop tweeting. Do you think she would tell anyone? <sighs> she better not. Rachel was very much concerned about what would happen if people knew that she and Sheila had sex. She knew from her Catholic faith that that was not acceptable. I think my parents would kick me out. God, she wouldn't do that, would she? Who knows what she would do? To them, that was serious. Because if, you know, she had outed them, then, you know, what would that mean? I hate her. I could just kill her sometimes. It's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> what if we just did? 
It's also in similar circumstances in Heathers, which helps motivate Veronica and J.D. to kill the first Heather after a disastrous night of drinking. Monday morning, your history, Heather Chandler says in the movie. I'll tell everyone about tonight. You may as well transfer schools. Perhaps to keep Skylar quiet, Sheila and Skylar reconcile. At least temporarily. And over the next several months, the friendship is on and off, filled with fights and reconciliations. It wasn't out of the ordinary for them to have a little bicker here and there. It wouldn't last more than a few days and they'd all be happy again. By the end of their sophomore year, the relationship between Skylar and Sheila takes a turn for the worse. I mean, Rachel's cool, and I like hanging out with her, but we've been friends since we were in school, like little kids. Yeah. Are you listening to me? Yeah. I'm just feeling super left out every time we hang out. It's like the two of you. Are you texting her right now? No. Skylar was upset in large part because she became aware of how deep the bond had become between Sheila and Rachel. Can you just put your phone away for like a minute? I'm trying trying to talk to you. By that point, Skylar knew that things were forever changed. Skylar once again documents her feelings of betrayal via Twitter. And then, seemingly out of the blue, Skylar receives an olive branch. Sheila? Sheila contacted Skylar and invited her to join Sheila and Rachel for a night out. Yeah, tonight? Okay, yeah, I just finished my shift. It may have given her hope that they were going to get things back the way it was at the beginning. I think she was glad that maybe they could put the arguments and the fighting behind them and move on. And the plan was Skylar would come home from work and sneak out of her bedroom window like she often did. And they would all go and smoke some weed. So, on July 6th, 2012, Skylar Niece sneaks out of her parents' house to meet up with her two best friends. Hey! Hey, guys. Glad you can make it. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to get out of the house. Seriously, you guys are my best friends. I mean, there's nobody else that I hang out with. It feels like it's been forever. Yeah, we missed you. The girls were headed to Morris Run Road, which is out in a very rural area, not well-traveled, certainly, at that time of night. Such a great location. So perfect. You have to never bring anyone else there, okay? Of course. Promise. What if we just never went back? During the 25-minute-long car ride, Skylar is once again feeling optimistic about their friendship. Skylar's tweet, All I Can Do Is Hope, indicates that there was something that happened on the drive to Morris Run Road that made her feel hopeful, that made her feel like things could get back the way they were. Little does Skylar know, this trip is not about rekindling the friendship. It is about ending it forever. And this night has been in the works for months.
through the computer searches that law enforcement did, the investigators found in October of the sophomore year, not long after the sleepover happened, the two girls, Rachel and Sheila, researched different ways of killing someone. They found out that neither one of them had experience with a handgun or a firearm. They ultimately settled on knives being their weapon of choice because it was easily accessible to them. Basically, both girls' kitchens had knives. Working on a chemistry project. How would you dispose of a body? I don't know. Then they looked into ways of getting rid of a body. Earlier that day, they put their evil plan in motion. Rachel got a shovel from her dad's garage, and they brought along cleaning supplies. In the trunk, they had wet wipes and bleach and different things that they planned to clean up the mess with. They had the hoodies on because they had concealed under their arms, beneath the fabric, knives. Skylar Niece has no idea her two friends are about to stab her in the back, literally. In my mind, when you have two girls that did what Sheila and Rachel did to Skylar, that comes from a place of evil. One, two, three. It's Dr. J. Buzz von Ornsteiner. Did you know you can stream the Copycat Killers TV series on Roku and Fire TV? Well, you can. Just download the Reels app and subscribe to see the TV show behind this podcast. And if you've got Prime, it's on Amazon channels too. You could even find episodes about killers inspired by Breaking Bad, Hannibal, and The Dark Knight before they're released here. Plus, you'll get to see what I look like in the show. I know you're curious. Copycat Killers comes from the real crime fans at Reels channel. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. In the 1989 movie Heathers, best friends turn into mortal enemies. And in West Virginia 2012, that fictional scenario becomes all too deadly real. Remember, Veronica's the likable alpha female. She's onto these evil Heathers and we're rooting for her because ultimately we're okay with mean girls dying. It's not like that in real life. We don't want Skylar to die. In the late night hours of July 6, 2012, Skylar Niece sneaks out to go on a joyride with her former best friends, Sheila and Rachel. She had no reason to suspect that anything was amiss. Such a great location. It's so perfect. Sheila pulls the car off alongside a spot where they normally get out and smoke. <laughs> Do you have it? Um, got it. <laughs> <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> 
They try to light a joint. Come on, stop. Skylar, can you go get the lighter? Okay, yeah. There was a signal that Sheila and Rachel had set up before on the count of three. One, two, three. Before the act is finished, Sheila and Rachel stab Skylar Niece upwards of ten times. So it was not only a lot of anger that was really rage, it was the idea that they were so intent on doing away with Skylar Niece that they continued until there was no hope of her surviving that attack. Now the two murderous teens begin the next phase of their plan, bury the body. Even though it was summer, the ground was very hard, the soil was rocky, and so they could not dig a hole that would bury her and hide her body. So they had to, at that point, abandon that plan and just cover her up with the fallen branches that were left behind. Let's get out of here. And just like that, the girls turn their backs on Skylar Niece for the last time. Several hours later, Skylar's parents realize their daughter is missing. The niece family discovers Skylar's windows slightly open, and there's a bench outside that window. She hasn't slept in her bed. When Skylar's dad was calling around looking for her, the first person he called was Sheila Eddy. Sheila. Yeah, it's me. No, it's about Skylar. No, have you seen her? She snuck out last night. So she didn't go out with you guys? All right, so you don't know anything. All right, listen, do me a favor. If you hear from her, please call me right away, okay? It's important. I'm worried. All right. Goodbye. And then something happened, and she called back and said, well, actually, I've got to tell you the truth. Sheila. Yeah. We were out joyriding last night. What? She and Rachel had dropped Skylar off at the end of her street. So you guys were out with her? No, look, I'm glad you told me the truth. All right, listen, I'm calling the police right now. If you hear anything, you call me right away. Fearing for his daughter's safety, Skylar's father calls 911 to report her missing. Meanwhile, Sheila and Rachel pretend to be as upset as everyone else that their best friend is missing. Sheila texted me and asked if I had heard from Skylar. And I told her no. And that's when she told me that, like, she couldn't find her, her parents couldn't find her, the police couldn't find her, like, she was missing. The two girls go through with the charade. 
until they realize they have a major problem. Hello? Hey. I lost my phone. It must have fallen out when... You know... Shut up! The only safe way for us to talk about this is in person or on FaceTime. Don't even watch TV. Sheila. Fine, I'll go look for it. Genius. The cell phone had the location of where they were that night, so it definitely... The fear was is that it would implicate them. Sheila rushes back to the crime scene and searches for Rachel's phone. Having dodged a bullet, the two killers continue their roles as concerned friends. Sheila acted like a normal best friend would act, like she was really concerned about what was going on. How could she do this to me? She was my best friend. She cried. She was upset. Pretty much like any normal best friend would be. Sheila is so convincing, Skylar's parents even try to comfort her. Sheila actually went over to Skylar's parents' house and helped them put up missing poster fires around Morgantown for her. No one at University High suspects Skylar's closest friends are behind the disappearance. In the movie, Veronica gets away with it. She and J.D. cover up the murders by making them seem as if they're suicides. It's kind of a brilliant way of covering up the crime. And in the real-life case, it seems like they might be getting away with it, too. Now they just have to fool police. Step inside there, please. Hey, Mom. Ma'am, I just want to talk to your daughter by herself. You don't mind? I'll be okay. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the last time that you saw Skylar? We picked her up around 10 o'clock. And where did you go after, after leaving her house? We were um, out past curfew. We hung out for a little while, and then we smoked some pot. We were smoking pot, sir. You were smoking pot? Does your mom know you smoke pot? Uh, no, sir. Did, did you run into anybody else that evening? Any, any boyfriends or other no. classmates or anything? We got back in the car. We dropped her off at the end of our street. We dropped Skylar off at the end of our street. What, why didn't you take her home? We got in a stupid argument in the car, just some gossip. The police before. didn't necessarily believe Rachel and Sheila's story, but they didn't think that they had had anything to do with Skylar's disappearance. Please just find my friend. I'm really scared about her. Thank you for coming in. It sure. appears that yeah, Sheila Eddy and Rachel Schof may have gotten away with murder. Thank you. People were saying that she had overdosed. Some people were saying that she met an online predator and she had run off with him and he had murdered her. And there's still one more betrayal to come. 
The United Front with Rachel and Sheila lasted only until after they parted company that day, and then thereafter it was the last time they talked to each other. In a plotline seemingly ripped out of the screenplay of the cult classic film Heathers, Sheila Eddy and Rachel Schoaf have murdered their best friend, Skylar Niece, simply because they no longer wanted to be her friend. So Heathers is a fascinating story in that it really is taking a time-honored tradition, the sort of popularity creeps of high school, and you're seeing it through the eyes of a girl who's smarter than those people. But then she really isn't. Veronica gets sucked into the vortex, and she becomes sort of the worst one of all. Same is true for these two real-life killers. You can take a seat, please. I told you everything. I think you know more about that night that you're not telling me. I don't know anything else. I told you everything that happened that night. Sheila told me about being questioned by FBI and state police for like three hours one day, but she never told me really what they asked. You know more about this. I don't know anything else. Sheila was cavalier. She was very callous, and she seemed flippant to police. I don't believe you. At other times during her interview, she would start tearing up. I've told you everything I know about her. Then you know where she is. I don't you know, know what where happened she to is, her. Please she has a boyfriend. Her. Come on. She doesn't it's a boyfriend. Have a boyfriend. It's a girlfriend. No. And you think she just vanished between the end of her street and her house? <laughs> Rachel was a good bit different. Rachel was, in the words of the first investigator, fearful. Tell me, the accident, anything that you may want to, may not want to say now, but but you may be too scared or or anything like that? Police sensed that Rachel was trying, she wanted to say something, but she couldn't say it. No, sir. Nothing happened. The truth is beginning to wear on Rachel Schof. Rachel was burdened almost from the instant that the murder occurred, and she went home and wrote in her diary that she was sorry and that only she and God knew what she had done. She was actually writing a letter to God, if you will. And on December 28th, six months after the murder, Rachel Schof begins to crack. Rachel barricaded herself in her bedroom. She was heard screaming that she was going to kill herself. Veronica and Heather's experiences a guilty conscience, too. At one point in the car with J.D., she takes out the dashboard lighter and burns it into her skin. Rachel's mom called 911, the police came, got things quieted down and advised that if the parents needed help for their daughter that they could check her in to the local psych hospital. 
Rachel spends the next five days there getting treatment. So Rachel, for five days, was completely free of Sheila's influence. There's something you want to tell us? Away from Sheila's control, Rachel decides it's time to finally free herself from their deadly secret. Police thought that Rachel would simply say, yes, we went to a party. Yes, Skylar did overdose. Yes, we were scared and left her behind. Or Skylar went off with a boy and we've never seen or heard from her since. Something like that was what they expected. I'm feeling kind of sick. I got a trash can for you right here. Just in case you need it, we'll put it right here for you, okay? Instead, she drops a bombshell. He stabbed her. They were just completely shocked. What happened at night? There, there was this, this sound coming from her neck. We stabbed her until her neck stopped making that sound. And when the investigators ask her why, Rachel's answer is disturbing. We just didn't like her anymore. Rachel told police that she and Sheila killed Skylar because they didn't want to be friends anymore. Police decide not to arrest Rachel, despite her confession. They need time to locate and ID the body, as well as build a case against Sheila Eddy. It's going to be setting you up with a wire. It's going to record everything that you discuss with Sheila. And they have a plan to do just that. Our plan is you're going to go home, you're going to call Sheila, invite her over, and then you're going to discuss everything that happened the evening that Skylar disappeared. Armed with a recording device, Rachel attempts to get Sheila to incriminate herself in the murder. But Sheila isn't falling for it. Are you okay? I can't live like this anymore. You need to tell someone. Tell them what? Don't you think about it all the time? What are you talking about, Rachel? You know what I'm talking about. Sheila was shrewd enough to figure out that Rachel was trying to get her to say something. You're really not okay, are you? We need to tell someone. There's nothing to tell anyone, Rachel. You know what happened. Nothing happened. During the encounter, there's a sense that Sheila knows something's wrong. From that point on, she will not discuss the murder with Rachel. Maybe you should lay down, Rach. And it's after this meeting that Rachel begins to know what it feels like to be on Sheila's bad side. The United Front with Rachel and Sheila lasted only until after they parted company that day. And then thereafter, it was the last time they talked to each other. At least in person, it seems Sheila has a lot to say to her former friend online. First time I've ever been completely speechless. Holy You don't even know the amount of shit you've caused. Sheila puts out one tweet that seems to even taunt police. We really did go on three. Finally, after a positive ID on Skylar's body and blood evidence found in Sheila's trunk, 
police arrest Rachel Schof and Sheila Eddy for Skylar Niece's murder. When I learned that Sheila and Rachel had stabbed her to death, I was completely appalled. I was disgusted. I couldn't imagine why two beautiful girls would want to take away another beautiful girl's life in such a horrid manner. I felt very betrayed by Sheila, honestly. Like, I never could have expected anything like that out of her. Um, and then to lie about it for 10 months. So how you could do something like that to the girl you consider your sister and the girl you consider your family, it just doesn't make sense to me. Sheila Eddy and Rachel Schof are brought to trial in January of 2014. Rachel pled guilty, and she thought she would get a 20-year deal, but uh, the judge believed that she deserved 30 years because the crime was so heinous. Sheila Eddy also eventually pleads guilty in court. She is sentenced to life in prison. The film Heathers is a black comedy about teenage angst. But there is nothing funny about the tragedy in this true life tale. If you enjoyed this episode of Copycat Killers, don't forget to subscribe at Podcast One or Apple Podcasts. Then go to Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com for clips, extras, and more from the TV version of the series, including chilling reenactments and crime scene photos you'll only find on Reels' channel. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. I'm Dr. J. Buzzman Ornsteiner.